Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, I tell you, it feels as if I have not seen you all since last Easter. I'm telling you. No, literally, this week has been a great week. It's felt long. Um, I went with Maverick to his Living Science Academy's expedition. And basically, they went to St. Simon and Jekyll Island and did experiments all week. It was a lot of fun. And, um, and while there, I got to be a chaperone of middle school boys. So now you understand why my week has felt so long, and Easter feels so long ago, <laughs> although it was just last week. And um, it was so good being with those middle school boys. And, and um, the thing about it, when I was with them, I just saw so many um, similarities, things I remember about being that age. And um, I don't know how many was insecure a little bit in junior high. Yeah. How many is insecure now? No. <laughs> But I got to see that. How, how many know little kids that age can be a little rough on each other? They, they find those things that they can point out and, 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 and do. And so for me as a kid, um, school was not something I enjoyed. And I don't know about y'all, I still to this day, when I walk into a school for like a parent-teacher conference, I, I think I have PTSD. I do. Like, I have the heebie-jeebies. I, I start to almost hyperventilate. I'm feeling all this tension because when I was a kid, I was in trouble all the time in school. Amy used to say, if I want to see Ross, this was in high school when we dated, if I want to see Ross, all I need is a hall pass because he will be sitting at a desk somewhere outside of some classroom. <laughs> and so literally, out of that, those insecurities, at times I can feel very much like I'm expecting criticism in those environments. And because of that, it makes me feel tense. It makes me feel like, what am I going to do wrong next? And so this week as a chaperone, I got to have a radio, which was great, you know. And any time they needed you, they would buzz on the radio. But it took me about two days to get used to, Mr. Wiseman. <laughs> I thought I was in trouble every time. Because it's a school event, and I'm hearing Mr. Wiseman. That usually meant principal's office and a spanking with a paddle. I didn't think the leadership of the school was going to spank me this time, but it did. It was about two days to feel like, you know what? This is in me. This is, they're not critical. They're asking questions. They're trying to find where I'm at. They're, but it, there's so much in me that I brought to the table that it caused that tension. Does that make sense? And so um, they're not trying to be problem people at all. They're being wonderful. But I was owning it because of my insecurities and such. And, and during that time, there was a little guy that I could see so much of myself in, you know. He was just this little guy that he loved to do voices. I never do that. He just always had an answer for everything. Just like he just never stopped talking. And, 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 and I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Like, Thank God he's in this Christian environment where the kids didn't capitalize on all that. I didn't get that benefit. I was in public school. I was a rough junior high, you know. But, they, they, but, but he didn't help himself much either. I mean, he gave him fodder all the time. And, and there was times where there was some criticism. But there was times he dished it out too. And being able to help those boys deal with this this week just made me realize that, you know what? We're not much different even though we're all grown up. We still have insecurities that causes us to be critical. We still have insecurities that when criticism comes, it causes us to feel less, and we want to stand up for ourselves. And, and so we're going to be looking today at criticism, but the series we're going into, it's called People Problem, Problem People, rather, 101. 
And I want you to keep your eyes straight. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Every one of us at times deals with people who are critical, look straight, manipulative, over needy, just look straight, or just plain fake. We all deal with people like that. And at times, we've been people like that. And so during this series, over the next four weeks, we're going to give you an education on how to manage the problem people in your life, but also how to escape some of the same tendencies that we see in our own lives. Because this is not a sermon series where we're pointing fingers saying, I can't believe them. Look at those problem people. No, no, no. There's some tendencies and things in our own lives that at times we need to get fixed as well. And so we're going to be looking at these four things as we go forward. The first thing I want you to get in your mind is this, though. How many know you will be criticized period everybody breathe in breathe out that means you're alive that means you'll be criticized every single person in this room you're going to go through times where people criticize you you can't please everybody so i I want you to say this say i will be criticized say it say it one more time yeah yeah you're not going to please everybody but we should strive to please God. Amen? Amen? And, 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 and there's things in your life that when you're trying to please other people, their prerogative isn't always equal to the pleasure of God. Just because they want you to do something doesn't mean God wants you to do that. Amen? Just because they think something doesn't mean God thinks that. Just because they feel something doesn't mean God feels that. So as Christ followers, I want to be concerned about other people's thoughts. I do. But when it comes down to it, I live for the pleasure of the Lord. Amen? And so we can't please everybody, but we can please God. Let's stand to our feet as we read the first scripture. Stand to honor God's word. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. It says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man. I'm going to stop for a second. We've been approved to be entrusted, carrying the good news of the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? And his coming. That's the gospel. We are carriers of that, and I believe relationally how we manage relationships, problem people included, it is a big deal if we're going to carry the gospel properly. Amen? But we don't carry it in such a way as to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. In other words, there's things in our heart that needs tested if we're going to carry the gospel appropriately. There's things in our hearts that need dealt with if we're going to be able to have relationships in such a way that people see the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this series is extremely practical and extremely needed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask, we thank you that your spirit is here. We have sensed your move in this house. And I just ask for clarity. I ask that you would just speak, Lord, from your word, that you would give us some principles, Lord God, not just that we can fix those people (laughs) in our lives, Lord. No, no, that we can have hearts that carry your gospel well, even amongst people that are difficult in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So every one of us in this room, we all deal with people in life who are critical, and we need to understand and know how to handle critical people in our lives. I I had a guy in my life, and I'm going to weave some stories in and out. 
I had a guy in my life for years, like a decade, over a decade, that just seemed like nothing we ever did as a church, anything I did as a pastor, every sermon, every decision, he just had to criticize. He just had to come again. He just had to, you know, speak. There was times he would be a part of a ministry thing and jump up on somebody else and just like rip them apart. Like, who do you think you are? But he just could not help himself. I think he was demon-possessed. No, I don't. But he just couldn't help himself. And, you know, years ago, when we started, we started small in a coffee shop, and then we were in a movie theater for four years, portable, and then we had a warehouse. And during that journey, the fella had become a part of the ministry and always wanted to point out what wasn't right as opposed to seeing what was right, what was bad instead of what was good, how we could... It wasn't just about helping. It was just... <sighs> Grandma would say nitpicking. You know, And so we get to this building. And when we get here, I, guys, I know that we haven't arrived, but it'll be eight years this summer when we got to this building. And the stuff that we had experienced before before we get in this building and the hardships and stuff, when we got to this building, it was like, woo, it's seven acres of land, brick, church house on a hill. It, it felt like we'd arrived, you know. And within two weeks, Joker, he's sitting here criticizing, you know. I'm not bitter. <laughs> and, and, and we have that wood counter place. You know, it used to be out in the lobby. Now it's in the next steps room. And he's standing there just, you know, complaining about something. And man, I took my hand and I went, wham, smacked it on that table. His eyes got that big. I'm not saying do that. His eyes got that big, and I'm like, you can't ever be happy about anything. My gosh, are you serious? Complain, complain, crit. In the name of Jesus. You know, it was like, I mean, I just had a rant. I just like dropped it, you know. But everybody in this room, you have some people in your life like that. Like, you just can't do no right. You can't do, I mean, it's just constant. But I want to remind you and repeat after me, I will be criticized. Say it one more time. Yeah, Moses was criticized. I mean, his sister, Miriam, was upset that he married a woman with a little more melon in her skin, a Cushite. He was, she was upset about that. Moses was criticized. He was criticized by many as he tried to lead. You know, Paul, as good as his books are, I love his epistles, the writings of Paul, some people complained that he wasn't a good teacher. They didn't feel he was a good teacher. I think God used Paul, but that's what some people said. Jesus literally was criticized for tons of stuff, but mainly for eating with sinners and challenging the religious leaders of the day. And so if Jesus was criticized, guess what? I will be criticized too. Now, if we're going to understand that everybody's going to face criticism, why are people critical? And I want to kind of look at where the root of criticism comes from, why people are critical, and then I'm going to give you some ways not to respond and ways to respond to criticism. If you take notes, it's a good day to take notes. If you don't take notes, get mymomentumchurch.tv on your phone. You have permission. Look it up, mymomentumchurch.tv. What that is, that's the in-house Facebook or web website. And that will allow you to find information about things at the church that's going on. But down on the bottom, it says today's notes. You can click on that, and you can take a, a deeper read this week and go slow with it in prayer and, and have that for you. So why are people critical? Um, Criticism and praise, they're kind of similar in the sense that praise and criticism are windows to the heart, all right? So things that are inside of you, 
that you like comes out through praise. Things that you don't like comes out through criticism. All right, so praise, we'll start there. Praise often reveals what one values most. You know, somebody comes in, you're like, nice hat. Well, they probably value fashion. They value appearance. They value those things. And, and I, I had this opportunity yesterday. I have learned from my kids, my adult children, that what fit means. Have you heard this term? Yeah, nice fit, yo. Nice fit. And so I tried it out this week. I did. I'm at the gas station trying to herd my middle school cats, and this handsome African-American fellow comes walking in. Dude, he looked fine, dressed to the night. He looked right. And he comes walking up, and I went, nice fit, bro. And he went, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, he knew what it was. He's like, that white, that white man in the know. That white man in the know. And, um, and, 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 I, and I found out, I think it means outfit, like a nice fit. Is that right? All right, cool, cool. But then I realized what I was wearing when I said nice fit, nice fit to this guy. <laughs> like shorts and a purple t-shirt with the school logo on it. Nice fit, you know. I was just thankful that he was kind of like, dude looks a mess, but he's pretty cool, <laughs> you know. Oh, man. But, but yeah, or maybe somebody's like, have you lost weight lately? Well, yes, I have, you know. Well, they might value the idea of physical appearance or health or whatever. You know, we praise and we notice and we speak to those things that we value most. Well, on the criticism side, it reveals the heart as well, and it often reveals one's deepest insecurities, like things that they feel insecure about. And I saw that in this little guy, this little sweet boy. I love it. He'd become one of my favorites on the trip. But his little insecurities just caused him to have so many issues. And there was times where the boys would capitalize on it, but again, not too bad. And there was a time where we had a neat night of devotion and we spoke into watching out for each other. You know, being, being that threefold cord that's not easily broken. Being that one that is not by themselves, that they have another to pick them up when they might fall. Being that one that, that, that can... Um, 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 Oh, be an iron that sharpens another iron. And the boys were getting it. And I saw them stronger as the end of the week, encourage each other. But this little guy, you know, I could just see over and over his insecurities coming out in the things he would say and things he would do. And even how he would be at times critical and vice versa. And so criticism reveals one's deepest insecurities. And I remember years ago, I had a guy in my class. I, I started pastoring when I was 19 years old, um, went to school later. When I was 21, I went to work at the church I was at before I came here. I was there 10 and a half years. And so within about a year of being at that church, I'm teaching a new believers class, about 30 people in the class. And I had this guy that was always coming to my class. And there was a nothing I could say that he didn't want to criticize me for in the middle of class. Like, well, now Pastor Ross, actually, in the Greek, bala, 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 Zimbabwe, I don't know, you know. It was just, you know, he would drop his, the Greek, you know. Well, actually, and like one time I was just like praying. I said, when you're praying, man, just, just realize like God's right there. You can just look up to heaven and just like seek God and he's right there with you. And well, actually, Ross, the Holy Spirit is within you because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying this to everybody. So you don't need to look up to heaven when you pray or raise your hands when you pray because you can just know the Holy Spirit is within you. So you can just put your head down. So, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> And it was just month after month and week after. I mean, this fellow was just something. And, <laughs> man, <laughs> what I found out was he had felt a call to ministry when he was young, but never responded. 
And he's in his 50s, and he never responded to ministry. And because of that, there's insecurities there. He wants validation. and I know stuff too. I know you know stuff. But you don't have to interrupt class to show the things you know. You know what I mean? But it was difficult. Yeah, so he's criticizing out of a place of insecurity, you know? Maybe, maybe a lady will be like, oh my gosh, do you see what she's wearing? I guarantee you, if a woman looks to another woman and says, oh my gosh, look what she's wearing, that woman's insecure. Ain't no way around it. That woman, when she's getting dressed in the morning, she ain't getting dressed for her man. She ain't getting dressed for herself. She's getting dressed for every lady that she's going to see that day. Isn't that weird? And, and, and you're all like, shut up, Ross. You don't know me. You're a man. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm a man. But I read and I learn. <laughs> so you shut up. Stop criticizing me. No. <laughs> oh, man. So remember, praise and criticism are windows to the heart. And it reminds me of another story. It reminds me I was preaching. I had another fella who came to me and he said, Ross, you preach too much talking about your wife. You're always talking about your wife, Amy this and Amy that, and she's so sweet and she's so sweet. You're always talking about your wife. What about us that our marriages aren't as good? What about, like, it just, it causes us to just feel inadequate, and, and, and I'm just like, well, man freaking up first. I mean, I didn't say that. I thought that. But I'm like, go after your marriage. Go after your woman. Go after, like, like move forward and grow, you know, but his insecurity, you know what the truth of the matter is? Can I tell you? He was cheating with the secretary. Oh, everybody's like, oh, snap. <laughs> and he was a seminary professor. That kind of means you should be like, like loving Jesus and loving your family and loving your, you know what I'm saying? And he was a seminary professor cheating with the secretary and treating his wife and family poorly, you know? And, and out of that place of insecurity, you're going to look at me and, ask, and like, I'm sorry. I, Amy's been in my life since she was 10 the first time I met her. I thought she was cute then. She's about 14 when I started chasing, 16 when I started dating, 19 when I married her, and now she's Nana. <laughs> Come on. Can I give you a secret? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's geriatric love. I don't know. I'm telling you, ever since that grandbaby came, I got hot for Nana. I'm telling you, I got the... You know hot for the teacher? Hot for the Nana. I don't know what it is. It's just like, woo, we made a baby that made a baby. I don't, that has nothing to do. <laughs> How did I get there? Oh, talking about my wife too much. My mother-in-law and father-in-law are here today. <laughs> Welcome the deems, Larry and Carol, to church. She's like, she's like, not my baby, my baby, never, uh-huh, uh-huh, we got five children. But she's like, no, not my baby, not my, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for not, like, for putting up with me all these years. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, I would go to Amy's house to see her, and I would be there maybe five, seven minutes, and she'd say, all right, Ross, it's a good visit. We'll see you later. <laughs> I just got here. I know. We'll see you next week. Like, like, and the other time, she let me stay longer, but she wanted me to know, it's my house, and you're going to come, and you're going to go when I say you come, and when you go. <laughs> and so they've been in my house a week. <laughs> <laughs> This afternoon feels right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 I'm teasing, I'm kidding. They've been the best parents, best mother-in-law and father-in-law. <laughs> oh, I got to get through this sermon, sorry. 
Oh, where am I? I got so lost. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, so that's why he was coming against me about Amy, because he knew he felt insecure about his relationship. I'm so thankful that woman married a godly man. You know, yeah, she left him. And she married a godly man. And man, they had about a 20-year marriage. It was beautiful. Sad thing, COVID took her husband. But man, God gave that woman 20 good years with a wonderful man that treated her like the queen that she was. Amen? Now, the guy's still a schmuck. Don't say that. That's wrong. It felt really good, though. I'm serious. This sermon's helping me. I hope it helps you, too. (laughs) So what you criticize (laughs) reveals your deepest insecurities. Maybe that's why Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7, verse 4. How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Yeah, we all have stuff we're dealing with. So why is it that people can be so critical? And so here's a few of the reasons. One, those who are most critical often don't like themselves. They really have a lot of self-loathing. If, if they are always critical, and I'm talking about people who are characterized by critical criticism, okay? We'll talk about constructive criticism in a second because there's a place for it, all right? In criticizing others, these who don't feel good about themselves, they find some sort of validation by criticizing others, or at least they think they're validated. But by criticizing others, it somehow makes them feel more important or more special when they run somebody else down. The truth of the matter is, the second thing here, the most critical in reality are often the most miserable. And so when you have somebody that's always being critical, let your heart just kind of get heavy for them. Go to a place of intercession. Why? Because we are carriers of the gospel, living our lives to be approved of God, to please God. So I'm not going to look at that person with just like vindication and and like evil um, intent. I'm going to look at them like, man, that person is broken. They need the gospel. They need the touch of Jesus on their life. They need to know who they are. If they are a Christian and they're acting that way, they need to know who they are in Christ, that they're the righteousness of God, that they're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. They need to know. That way they're not acting this way out of insecurity and pointing the finger and criticizing all the time. And so get a, a heart of compassion for them, like a place of brokenness in your heart for them. And so how do we deal with them, though? I mean, if, if, if they continue to be critical, how do we deal with them? I'm going to give you two wrong responses and three right responses. Two wrong and three right. And so wrong responses. The first one is to fight. Somebody's being critical, you get that fight in you. You want to rise up and defend yourself, you know? You want to rise up and lash out. I know you are, but what am I? You know, you want to go after, you, uh, you want to fight. You, here's what you do a lot of times. Maybe in the moment you don't fight, but you leave and you begin to replay it in your mind. And you start doing the should haves and the should have saids and the should have dones. Oh, I should have. When they said that, I should have said that. When they said this, I should have said that. And when she, mm, I should have, mm, and then I should have, you know. And you get all this up in you. And next thing you know, you have another conversation. And that conversation, the person's not even being that critical. It's not even that tense. And all the, you know, you just like dump on them. And then they get to look righteous. They're like, oh, I can't believe you're acting this. You act a fool all the time. And I finally stand up for myself and you're going to point your finger at me. Well, yeah, because you brought so much emotion, because you've been carrying so much emotion. You haven't left it over to the Lord, and you've been carrying it, and now here's an opportunity, and blah, you just dump it out. Every one of us has been there before, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 
So, <laughs> so um, when I was younger, I didn't deal with this stuff very well. And I was, I was a fighter. You know, like I, I, I had that like short man, you know, I was like five foot tall up into the eighth grade. I think I was five two in 10th grade. I was little, but I'd climb you. You know what I mean? And, um, and so because of that, I just felt, I felt like that junior high little nerdy kid that I was, even though I had grown out of that, there was always those insecurities. And so when people would be critical, I had to stand up for myself. I had a, I need justice, you know, I need validation. I, I cannot be criticized and not fix it right now, you know, and guess what would happen? I would lose energy. I would lose time because I was meditating on those things. What I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. And then I was always chasing down the situation. I got to fix that. I got to fix that person. I can't have them thinking this. I can't have them. They can think whatever they want. You know, you can think whatever you want. You're, you might be wrong, but you can think whatever you want, Right? But man, I had, to, I had to fix it. And so my pastor said one time, he goes, Ross, you have got to stop giving a dollar worth of energy to every dime problem that comes down the road. Yeah. I was like, okay. Because that's what I did. I would chase it and I would lose time. And so that whole first thing is, is, is that fight, you know, having to fight um, and stand up for your justice, you know. Second thing is Flight. And that's where we withdraw. We feel that criticism, that tension. You've hurt me, and I'm not staying close enough to you to ever get hurt by you again. And here's the thing about that. I get it. If somebody is a serial hurter, they continue, you've got to create boundaries, right? But can I tell you something? The Lord gave this to me this week. There's a difference between boundaries and bitterness. Let this sit on you. Some of us are excusing not carrying the gospel appropriately in our life as pleasing unto the Lord, and we're excusing it, saying that we have boundaries. When no, our bitterness is keeping us from being light and life to those who really need it. But, everybody say, boundaries are good. You need boundaries. And I'm going to show you here in a little bit when, when you, you shouldn't be dealing with people that are critical. Because we do need boundaries. I'm not saying, but I need you to pray. I, this week, be praying, God, in this relationship, do I have healthy boundaries or am I moving in bitterness? Help me know which I'm doing, you know? Because you can't have boundaries and not be bitter. There's a person I love in my life that, boundaries. Wouldn't do a thing wrong to that person. You know, I, I'd do anything for that person. But you know what? Probably never going to have the friendship we ever once had before. Boundaries. But I'm not bitter at all, you know. I was, but I'm not now. God brought healing and there was connection and forgiveness and, you know. But as far as that deep relationship, maybe not. Maybe who knows what God will say as we carry the gospel appropriately. Maybe God renews that relationship and you respond. Why? Because God's saying this will please me. And so you walk into the, what God pleases you with, you know, what he wants you to do. But you got to guard your heart from bitterness and boundaries. You need boundaries. But be careful if it's bitterness and you're disguising it. Well, I just have boundaries. All right, so let's look at three right responses to criticism. Right response to criticism number one is listen to constructive criticism. There's nothing worse than a person that can't receive anything negative, right? Right? Like, like they can't receive any criticism. Like, I'm not hearing that. Well, yeah, you're not growing either. <laughs> So, so we listen when it's constructive. How do we know it's constructive? When a person's motive is to help and not hurt. That's how you know it's constructive. 
You know if a person is just being critical and just picking and nitpicking and there's nothing that they're trying to do that's helping you. They're just trying to hurt. That's a critical person. And that's a person that you may have to create a boundary with. So when a person's motive is to help and not hurt, that right there helps us to understand now's the time to listen. You know, so like if, when I was overweight, if a friend said, hey, let's go to the gym together, that sounds helpful. But if they would have said, hey, cankle boy, I didn't know they made sweats that size. Hurtful. <laughs> Hurtful. <laughs> now, some of y'all don't know me, so I'll, I'll let you know. I was like, like 250 plus for 15 years. Good part of that, I was 300. You know, I lost 100 pounds a few years ago, and I've um, been just moving forward, right? And so, but I'm just saying, I had people in my life that at times wanted to help me, and they had helpful words, which was awesome. I had some people that would just speak ugly, you know, but the ones that spoke positive, it helped me. Why? Because they were trying to help, not hurt. Um, I, I got done preaching years ago. I'd been at the church in Ohio maybe maybe a year, and Pastor Blair would let me preach about once a month. And so as a young preacher full of stuff you want to say, um, man, those sermons would be long. <laughs> and I would have a lot of thoughts because um, I hadn't preached for a month. And so I say all that to say Ron Luttrell came up to me one day after I got done preaching, and he says this. Here's a criticism, but it's constructive. He goes, Ross, that was three of the best sermons I've ever heard you <laughs> preach. <laughs> Do you get it? I said, I only preached one. He said, uh, you tried to preach one, but that was three of the best sermons. He goes, Ross, when the farmer brings the cow into the barn, he's going to feed him the hay, but he ain't going to feed him the whole barn's worth of hay. You know, he said, it's all right. You know, a little bit of bite, you know. What's neat is that guy has been a mentor in my life, you know, since I was a little boy. And, um, and um, I can remember when 9-11 happened, that Tuesday and Wednesday night, we're all in that church house, and I got done preaching that night. And Ron comes up to me, and he says to me, he says, Ross, today you stop being my neighbor boy. Today you become my pastor. Man, it tore me up, just tore me up. Because I've been in the church there maybe seven years at that point. It just tore me up. And um, so Ron, I, uh, uh, he has had a stroke, and we're praying for him. And I just said in the first service, Ron, we love you, and we're praying for you. I wouldn't be who I am had it not been for Ron Luttrell. And so uh, just praying for my buddy. But that was constructive criticism. Amen? Hmm. So we see here that we listen to constructive criticism when the motivation is to help, not hurt. We also listen to constructive mo criticism when a person has the ability to help. So they're not just criticizing you, but they carry the skills and resources to help move you past that point of criticism. Listen. Proverbs 15, 31 through 32. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof, that means correction, will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. I like how the New Living Translation says it. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject criticism, you only harm yourself. I'll tell you right now, in order for you to achieve your highest potential in life, you will have to be open to constructive criticism. You know, I got a friend. Everybody knows who Jason Cultus is. I don't know if Jason's in the service today or not. Um, I think he serves in middle school there in this hour. But, you know, Jason for years has pushed on me hard. If you all know Jason, he pushes on you, right? Yeah. And he was always pushing on me about my health. But listen, you all don't know this. Since he's been with us, he's been this little fit guy. But he was 60 pounds over, 70 pounds overweight 
back in his 20s and 30s, years ago. And he got that fixed. He, not, not, you know, he took care of it. And so that's why he has a passion to help me. And for years, he wanted to help me, wanted to help me. I wasn't ready to receive, wasn't ready to receive. Wouldn't listen, wouldn't listen, you know. But he stayed on me, but I always knew it was from a place of help. And I knew it was a place that he had resource and skills and understanding. I knew all those things. And, and he wasn't being critical. He was being challenging. And I received it. And, um, and I tried to do some of the diets that he, you know, let's do this and let's do that. It just never worked. But, you know, most of you guys know a few years ago I got on a program and I got criticized for that, you know. Well, you know what? I tried everything else. Who cares? It worked. And then we helped like 200 some people take back their, their health. I mean, it's like I had people ugly about it, you know. It's like, all right, so my other path was trying all these things I've been trying and dying at 55. And, you know, nobody fires fat pastors, they just die. That sounds harsh. I'm just, I live this. Why? Because you go to food because of tension and pressure. And pastors, you know, I, I'd like to go to scotch. I shouldn't say that. That was a bad sound bite. But I don't because I'll lose my job. But I could go to food. But when I started getting healthy, I had out of the woodwork, people going nuts, upset. Can't believe you're doing a program. Can't this, can't believe. Who cares? I'm learning how to eat healthy and right and this and that and blah. You know what I'm saying? Not Jason. Jason's like, I don't understand it. It's different. I wish you would just do the things I've been showing you. But let's go, buddy. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's, let me, let's watch. Let's, and he would encourage me in that, you know. And, um, and, and, and it worked, you know. Now, he's challenging me to fitness and health and stuff, and I'm challenging him back. About a month ago, I said, hey, you and I, we're going to do the Blue Ridge Ultra Marathon, Ultra Marathon 50K race in October. He said, we are? I said, we are. <laughs> Have you done anything like that? No. I hike. I do not jog. This is mass that doesn't go vertical, you know. <laughs> goes horizontal really well. And so a month ago, I'm saying this for some accountability. So a month ago, I went and I started running on the treadmill. One mile, 19 something minutes. That's horrible. That is horrible. I'm telling you, that's not good. And it's not cardio issue. It's, it's structural. I've had knee surgeries and all sorts of stuff. So my body's just like, this really hurts. This really hurts. And um, long story short, progressing over the last month, and now, I mean, my first time running on the trail was like 22 minutes, two miles. Not real fast. Now I'm running five miles on the trail at like 75 minutes, you know, running. I ran, I, I didn't mean to run 6.25, but when we were on this trip, I decided I, I need to get my run in. I'm going to go run five miles. And um, I made a wrong turn. And 0.6 miles out of the way, I realized I am no, I'm, I'm on St. Simon, but I don't know where I am. And so I got back, but it was 6.25. I say all that, go ahead, come on, come on. Stop, stop, stop. Pastor, so prideful. I am. Because <laughs> for so long I wasn't. <laughs> oh man, I sit on the couch and fall asleep. I deserved my wife's criticism at that time because it was constructive. All right. So why did I say all that? Oh, Jason, he had the means and the skills and resources, you know, so when it comes to this running stuff, he knows this stuff, and so he's, 
Yeah, he's being critical and strong, and, but it's challenging me to grow and to learn. And I don't know if I'll be able to do that 50K or not. I'll be honest. But I'm feeling the challenge, and I'm trying to do what I can do, and we'll see. We'll see, you know? So right responses to criticism. We've li- listened to criticism when it's constructive. Um, number two, when the criticism comes, we answer criticism. So we listen to criticism. Number two, we answer criticism. When do we answer criticism? When the person is missing information that could change their perception. That's when we answer. When that person is missing information, if they had it, they would think differently. We answer that, you know? Here's something you didn't know, and then you speak it. Years ago, when I cleaned carpets in Ohio when I was really young, and I had my manager all upset. I was upset with my manager. I call him up, Steve, on the board, I've worked 70 hours this week. You got me doing a night job tonight, and I'm gonna work 13 hours tomorrow. And you've worked 40 hours. What in the world? Stay there. So he shows up at the shop while I'm cleaning things up. And I'm like, it's just wrong, man. I mean, I don't understand. He's like, well, listen. Now he responds to me. I'm the one being critical. He responds and brings information. He said, listen, my daughter's been in the hospital and for the last three days has been under an oxygen tent. And the boss said, be with my family as much as possible. In that moment, he's a hero. How in the world have you done 40 hours at this shop and kept us all together and you've still taken time for your family and kid? Do you see how that information changed it? In that moment, my criticism, I wasn't carrying the gospel well, so I repented to him, asked forgiveness. He knew I was a preacher. I told him, let me get home and get a shower. We believe in the power of prayer, and can we come pray for your daughter? Showed up, got my hands in that thing, laid hands on his little girl. The next day, she came out of the hospital. Yeah. Even better, Steve and his wife started coming to church, got saved and baptized. Amen? But my criticism would have just been received as an offense had he not asked the question. And so there was information that he needed. When he got that information, it changed the whole thing. So yeah, so answer criticism when there's some missing information. Answer criticism next when it's the right time to answer. In that moment, you may be too heated or they may be too heated. So it's the right time both for them and the right time for you to answer the criticism. It may not be in that moment. Take it with you, go back to the cave, think about it a little bit, then come back out and deal with it, you know? There's some of you, are, are, that's, you know, your, your processor's like that. You gotta go back to the cave and, and then come out and deal with it. So, right time for them, right time for you. And, so, and don't force them to make their time your time. I need an answer right now. No, I, I'm gonna give you an answer. I need to think, I need to pray, I need, you know what I mean? Needs to be the right time for them and to, for you. The next answer, criticism, when the person is open to change. When they're open, you can tell that they're open to change. Some people are critical just because that's who they are. They're characterized by being critical. Don't waste your breath. But if you know a person's open to change, then move forward and answer that criticism. This we see in Scripture when the Ephraimites ask Gideon, why have you treated us like this, Gideon? And they criticized him sharply. Well, the passage says in Judges, then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. But Gideon replied, here comes the answer. What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better than the entire crop of my little clan of Abiezar? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to you? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. Do you see that? 
They heard Gideon's answer and they were no longer angry with him. And so that's when to answer. Answer when people are open to change. Um, The right response to criticism, number three, and we're going to be finished, dismiss invalid criticism. Dismiss invalid criticism. And I've gotten better at this. Like I said, my time, my energies, we get so focused on criticism, it would rob a lot of ministry and time and family happiness and everything. But I've gotten a lot better. And, and a couple years ago, we were going through some stuff, and we were at Home Depot. And the church had went through a thing a few years ago, and I had a guy call me out in leadership. If you would have known this, if you were more in tune, blah, 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 this never would have happened. And he just put his finger in my face and left, you know? And I didn't ask him to stay. <laughs> but he left. And so... A, year goes by, year and a half goes by, and we're going through some family stuff, you know? One of my children making some bad decisions, and it, his pub, it was public, it was starting to get out there, and um, this guy, I mean, I was the darkest moment of my life. I'm going to be really honest with you guys, I've never been suicidal, and that spring, I've told you this before, that's why I'm saying a little light, because I've, I've kind of dealt with the emotions a couple years ago, and um, man, I had to go to counselor, I was like, I, I was messed up, I just was hurting, and I see this guy at Home Depot, and thank God his wife and child was with him. Remember that fight thing? That fight verse? Yeah. And so he looks at me and says, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah, I'm doing great. He goes, he goes really? I was glad his wife and daughter was there. Because I, I re- or wife and son, I really in the moment, I thought y'all was going to come to the jail and bail me out, because I was just so hot, but it was weird, it was like a switch, because I've been through it, and I've learned just to shake the criticism off, and I was like, yeah, yeah, and then that was it, I turned, got in my car, and I emotionally felt this, it's just, it is, you know, that's on him, that ain't on me, that's something he's owning, I don't have to own that, and so I dismissed that invalid criticism, so we dismiss invalid criticism when a person is characterized by being overly critical. It's just who they are. And you all know people like that. Dismiss it. We dismiss invalid criticism when a person is emotionally unhealthy or wounded. Hurt people hurt people. So we try to have a heart for compassion for them because they're speaking. That little boy, that middle schooler, did a lot of stuff that was critical, but he's speaking out of a place of hurt. And we could see that and love on him in spite of that and speak into that and move him toward health. When people are jealous or envious of your finances or your marriage or your work or your whatever, when they're jealous or envious, a lot of times they feel that hurt in their own lives and it comes out as criticism. Have compassion for those that are going through pains and hurts and such. We see Jesus responding to his greatest critics in this way when it comes to dismissing. Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. Speaking of the Pharisees, they are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Jesus was just saying, I'm going to dismiss that. I'm going to ignore that. And so understand, the more you excel in an area, the more you're going to face criticism. It just is going to happen. But don't get distracted by criticism. You have to learn to dismiss it. I want you to play along with me as I ask you to say things. Ready? So you feel haunted by critical words spoken over you from years ago? Say this, dismiss it. You feel critical, crippled by critical words given to you by people that you thought knew you? You knew me. You know who I am. How can you think this of me? Everybody, one, two, three. Dismiss it. Dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
Don't get distracted by criticism. You have to learn to dismiss it. You're living to please someone who isn't even alive? Yeah. Driven by what people think? You want people to like you? Yeah. We've got, no, no, when it comes down to it, we live to please the Lord. When it comes to being critical, we need to check ourselves as well. We're not going to just look at all these people. I can't believe how critical. No, no. Let's check ourselves, and we're going to finish with this. I know it's long today, but it's good. In Matthew 7, that was, I appreciate that. I think it was my mother-in-law. Amen. Matthew 7, 3 through 4, and why, would, and, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And it's just Jesus' way, he's so creative, of just saying to, to check yourself before you're critical. Check your own eye. Check your own heart. And, and I want to challenge you to, to if you are, if, you're, if I'm preaching today and you're like, oh, that's me, I do that. Oh, I do that, I do that. Please, if you're critical, stop it. Stop. Because it's poisoning you and it's poisoning others. Amen? We've got to check our hearts and know that we will be criticized. It's just part of life. We won't please everybody, but what? We can please God. Yeah, we can. Final scripture, we started with it, we'll close with it. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So I want you to close your eyes just for a second. I'm not going to have you come up or raise your hand or anything, but let God test your heart today. Is there things that hurt in you so much because people have been critical? Release that to the Lord today so that you can follow these principles we've learned to begin to move forward with those problem people in your life. But I think more important is check your own heart. Check your own heart. Is there things in your life that you bring criticism because you feel like you need validation? You bring criticism because you, you feel insecure. You feel like you need justice. And that comes forth. And let God begin to heal you so that you can live in such a way that you live only to please Him. So if that's you, just keep that in your heart and I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love being your gospel bearers. <laughs> Thank you for the privilege of allowing us to carry who you are to the world and your message. And Lord God, this world is full of people that have problem people. We don't want to be one more added to it. Help us heal our hearts. Help give us a sense of security in you, knowing and confidence of who we are in you, Jesus. Lord, help us have boldness to create boundaries, but tenderness not to walk in bitterness. Be the balance in us in that, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us balance that out. And Lord God, give us the wisdom on those who refuse to change, who refuse to hurt, who will not respect boundaries. Give us wisdom to dismiss. Not dismiss them, but to dismiss the situation and to release them into your hands that you might deal with their hearts. We just lift this to you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.